Hello and welcome to them's Fighting Words. My name is Sam Bradley. Today it is just me because Rob has been selfish enough to have a birthday. So he is not going to be with us this week. Uh, not that we've got all that much to talk about. Might be a bit of a truncated show. There's a couple of really decent fights. But other than that, we're going to be looking ahead and we've got a couple of really decent recommended uh, reads as well. So without further ado, UFC Newark. Hmm. This was a weird card, but in a good way. There was a nice little mix of fights, nice mix of decisions, knockouts. Um, most notably, we had Colby Covington going against uh, Robbie Lawler. Now, Colby Covington, obviously divisive figure. We'll talk about that at the end of the show, so stick around if you want to hear about all the things that Colby did that weren't fighting on the night. Um, on the night, he got the win over Robbie Lawler in brutal style, 50-44, Um Robbie Lawler didn't win a round. Robbie Lawler was totally nullified. The, the things that make Robbie Lawler great were sort of not, not turned against him, just shut down. You think Robbie Lawler, you think striking, you think heart. I mean... It, it went all five rounds, so you know Robbie Lawler's uh, his stamina was still there. But Colby Covington, well, we'll go through it round by round. I mean, it was a really great opening round for Colby. He was loading up on the punches. He was forcing Lawler's head low before pouncing. He got three great takedowns across that round. Um, Lawler at this point wasn't really panicked. He was not happy to be on the ground, but he was sort of. You know what you're going to get with Colby Covington. He's going to come for you. He's going to try and get you down. He's a fantastic wrestler. Lawler was ready for that. He was defending as well as he could. Um, but again, Covington happy to just hold Lawler down, getting strikes, kind of half-heartedly look for a submission. That was it. The first three minutes of the second round were very much that. Um, Colby happy to hit high, go low, again scoring excellent takedowns. Again, Lawler not looking panicked. I think at this point, Robbie Lawler was still trying to wear Covington down to take him into deep waters. Obviously, this was a five-round fight, main event. Lawler, known for his heart, known for his stamina. Um, Rope-a-dope, really, for the final couple of minutes. Uh, he managed to get up from a takedown. And Colby Covington, at this point, was about to have a sip of my beer. Happy to strike. But because of all the action, because of all the takedowns in the first three or so minutes, Covington takes the second round. It's a better third round for Robbie Lawler, whose head movement was really starting to pay off, and he was able to sort of shoot his punches over Colby Covington's sort of overhand, very stiff jab, but he was being hit. You know, for every one punch, uh, Robbie Lawler was uh, was landing, Colby Covington was landing, I swear to God, about 10 or 20, just pop, 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 all the way through the round. Lawler rolling the shoulder, staying out the way. There was a takedown, but they got straight back up. Covington, again, um, looking this time like he didn't really want to go to the ground. It was seemingly a calculated break at the time. It looked like he was just... Okay, I'm going to take this third round off. I know I can keep Lawler at bay. I've probably won the first two rounds. I can keep him at arm's length. Now, that was great. But then going into the fourth round, um, Colby Covington at that point had thrown 15 takedowns and three 
100 strikes going into the fourth. He was happy to stand and trade. Lawless head movement had slowed down by this point. He was eating harder shots here and there. There was constant pressure. And of course, Lawler was unwilling to come forward even when he was able because when he would step in, Carby Covington would look to take that leg. He would look to take him down. You know, there's just a constant pressure. He was going from boxing, uh, this Covington going from boxing to takedown attempts to clinch work and back again. Lawler was totally nullified in this round and up to this point just about in the fight. And then we go into the fifth. And there's three more minutes of Colby Covington keeping Lawler at bay, picking him apart, bloodying him up, looking to take him down. And with two minutes to go, Lawler comes alive. He starts to land hard combos. He starts to push Covington back. But Covington weathered the storm It was, and then went back to business as usual. It ends the fight with a spinning kick that lands, and that was all she wrote, all five rounds to Covington. Say what you want about him, but it was an absolutely phenomenal performance. And surely... Interim belt or no interim belt, Covington has to be going for the has to be going for the title next up. Him and Kamara Usman had a little bit of a little bit of a handbags at dawn up in the commentary box, which uh, you know Usman was obviously there to to watch. But uh, it's going to be an interesting fight. It's going to be an interesting fight. Colby Covington showed that he had excellent stamina, and not in the same way that someone like Tyron Woodley has pretty good stamina. Colby Covington was breathing well, breathing steady, hitting hard, taking down, wrestling for five solid rounds, 25 minutes of work. It was really, really incredible to watch. And uh, yeah, I really liked the fight from Colby Covington. As I said, there was some stuff said afterwards, which was a little bit weird and uh, not that great. But we'll get to that in hot takes. So before that, at 155, we have Clay Guida versus Jim Miller which was ended really early in the first round. There was a wild exchange. Gida was uh, Clay Gida was looking good and then got rocked and went down and got caught in a gear team, which Herb Dean was really late to spot. And Gida obviously went out quickly, but was choked a little bit longer than was absolutely necessary. It was a really great win for Miller, uh, who sat Clay down um, with a really great overhand. And... Um, yeah, Jim Miller's now fifth in the most ever UFC wins, so yeah, he's a real veteran, and uh, yeah, it was a good fight. Uh, Clay Greed will obviously look fine after coming too, but it was a late uh, late stoppage by Herb Dean, uh, one of three, not just by Herb Dean, but by refs across uh, across the event. There was two or three, I think, chokes that went out a little bit longer than necessary. Uh, before that, a lightweight, we had Nazrat ha- uh, Hakprast, See, Rob's not here. I can't fuck up the names. Versus uh, Silver. I think this was possibly my KO of the night. It was very technical uh, from both men in the first round. Silver was rushing forward, but in that controlled, aggressive burst manner, while Hakparas just worked off that southpaw jab, trying to set up the uh, the overhand uh, the overhand left cross. And it was that in the second round, it was that same form from Hakparas who he landed, he was fainting, he was drawing uh, Silver in with that right, and then boom, landed this beautiful left overhand, and dropped Silver, who was probably out before uh, Hackprass jumped on top of him, and got in the ground and pound, um, but uh, yeah, really great performance, really sweet as a nut, uh, 
overhand left, one of those ones that uh, you see coming but you can't get out of the way from, so you tense up and that makes it worse when the guy hits you. Uh, yeah, that was a really good uh, really good KO. Uh, Gerald Mershot, he beat Trevin Giles. Uh, technical submission, guillotine choke, 149 of round three. Decent wrestling in the opening two rounds. Uh, Giles was getting the early takedown in round one, but then he got swept and he ate a few shots. Um, Giles was really getting swept and reversed a lot, but when Mershot was able to take that top position, he did enough work to keep the position. He wasn't that active with it, but he was keeping it there. And I think, you know, had it gone to uh, had it gone to the judges, it would have been Mershot's fight anyway. Uh, going into that third round, Mershot he just reversed Giles yet again, sunk in the choke. But again, the ref didn't notice right away. Even after Giles tapped, that's that was the bad thing. Giles actually got the tap in this. Ref didn't see it, and then. Uh, yeah, that was all she wrote. But uh, Mershot did uh, lift his legs, which was nice. Uh, lightweight. Um, I wasn't really sold on Scott Holtzman versus Don Hyung Ma. Um, you know, I was looking at the prelims, seeing Mickey Gore was down there. Antonina Shevchenko, obviously, is the big one. Um, but this turned out to be a pretty fucking decent display of, uh, if you're into it, pocket striking. Just slipping in, slipping out. Slipping in, staying there, keeping, you know, the old uh, foot in a tyre thing that you've seen. Um, both men were really fucking going for it. Uh, Hyun Ma actually got the uh, knockdown briefly in the second round, but overall Holtzman was just outstriking uh, to the point where the fight was stopped between the second and third round by a doctor because Ma's eye had just swollen shut. Uh, not as bad as Cowboys against Tony Ferguson, but uh, yeah, it was pretty, pretty damn close. And then we had Kennedy Nishekwu, definitely pronounced that wrong, versus Darko Stoic. You've all seen it on social media, no doubt. <clears throat> the cup shot, the real football kick cut shot. Um, Kennedy walked away with the win 29-26, uh, 29-26, 28-27. And this was because Stoic landed three cup shots, three across the fight, two of which were particularly brutal. Um, and he ended up having a point deducted for each of those two. So he was, you know, those those 29-26s are a little uh, a little bit of a misnomer. But but still, you know, he never really got going apart from a good spell. This is Stoic never really got going apart from a good spell in the first round. Whereas Kennedy was at it right away, despite having to pick his fucking balls out of his ass a couple of times. He just picked him apart. So yeah, it's a good win for him. Moving down onto the prelims at welterweight, we have Mickey Gall versus Salim Tahari. This was a unanimous decision win, 29-28 to cross the board for Mickey Gall, who showed off his wrestling acumen yet again. Uh, he also showed off his chin strength, uh, particularly in the second round, um, where he ate most of Salim's best work, vicious elbows, uh, as well as a couple of big power shots. But uh, yeah, Mickey Gall walked away with the first and the third, at least in my eye just allowed to close distance, landing good ground shots when they got there, taking the back in the first, landing big shots again, just doing that work, you know, doing that work that we would go on to see in the first round of the Covington fight, doing that work, keeping the uh, keeping the fight where he wanted it and doing enough to show that he was actually taking it seriously when he took the position. The fight of the night before that, for my money, Antonina Shevchenko, she beat Lucy Pudlova via technical submission, RNC 120 of the second round. 
this was fight of the night and it did not disappoint. In the first round, both fighters spent a lot of time in the clinch. Shevchenko was landing knees. Pudlova was landing these really hard elbows. She cut Shevchenko fairly early on. It was just great to see him go at it. Um, then to end the round, uh, Shevchenko got it down, locked in this really tight armbar, and then, which we haven't said for a while, and then Pudlova manages to twist and turn her way out. The first round was absolutely fantastic of this fight. I really, really cannot stress enough how much you should go back and watch the first round of Shevchenko versus Pudlova. It was really great. In the second, we saw uh, it was another late stoppage. Um, after Pudlova uh, was looking for the takedown, she ended up with Shevchenko on her back. She sunk in the RNC. And uh, yeah, again, the ref was a little bit a little bit slow. You can usually see a tap. You can usually see... I know Shevchenko flattened Pudlova out, but you should be close enough to see it at that point, for my money. Um, so yeah, the first late stoppage of the night, I think it was. But really great performance from Shevchenko, who showed yet again, as if we needed any more proof... She is the real fucking deal, the whole package, and watch out for that gal. Uh, flyweight before that, we had Matt Schmel. He beat Jordan Espinosa via submissions with a triangle choke in 1 minute 23 of round 1. Espinosa goes in early but ends up with Schnell on his back, already looking for the choke. Uh, Schnell goes for it, recalibrates, comes out, goes back in, looks for the choke after making some minor adjustment adjustments. Gets it done early in the first. That's uh, that's all she wrote. Uh, a women's flyweight before that, we had Laura Murphy. She beat Mara Maya Barella. Uh, TKO strikes 1 minute 46 of round three. This was actually a pretty decent fight, despite being so low on the card. Um, Murphy really brought the heat uh, early. Uh, Barella was happy to sort of move back, counter, move back, counter. But then... I think it's a risky game to play because you end up inevitably, if if your opponent doesn't wear themselves out looking for those big power shots, not that Murphy was really hunting for power shots, but uh, you play a dangerous game and we saw it uh, go against Barrera here uh, in the second round. Murphy's intensity continued. Um, Barrera was countering enough to throw her combos off slightly, but just enough. In the third round, there was a brief spell on top um, Murphy landed a fucking nasty uppercut, snapped her head back, and then uh, got a knee before ending it with ground strikes. Really, another really great performance uh, for women's MMA that night. Laura Murphy, check that shit out. And before that, we had Claudio Silva. She beat, uh, he beat, excuse me, Cole Williams. Uh, this was a rear naked choke, 235 around one. And Miranda Granger opened up the card on the fight past prelims, beat Hannah Goldie, a unanimous decision, 30-27s across the board. Um, decent event. I think there were some real sleeper fights. Um, the uh, the Nazareth Haprast was the KO of the night. As I said, that's worth watching. Uh, Scott Holtzman fight. That was really good. Um, just to see Scott Holtzman's boxing. Obviously, the uh, Shevchenko fight. The Lauren Murphy fight's worth watching. And of course, Colby Covington versus Robbie Lawler. If only to see Colby Covington just turn it up like a motherfucker. Um, now, we also had one championship, Dawn of Heroes, Heroes, Heroes. Uh, that was last week. Uh, some notable names on this card. I'll go through the card. I'll sort of bring my eye to it. Obviously, you know Rob's our one championship guy, but I'll do my best, Rob, If even if it means mispronouncing names. Heading up the card, we had Martin Nguyen. He beat Kiyomi 
uh, Matsumisha, nailed it, via TKO 440 of round two to retain the one championship featherweight world title in absolute brutal style. I have to say, he put an absolute clinic on Kiyomi um, for as long as the fight lasted. Um, the fight ends with Matsumishi in a heap with Nguyen landing ground shots, pound uh, ground shots, just didn't really look for anything else, just bang, 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 racing the clock to finish it late in that second round. Um, really great performance from him, really great range control, everything you want to see from a champion. Speaking of champions, it pains me to say, as a Brit, Jonathan Haggerty, he lost his one flyweight Muay Thai world championship belt to, wait for it, Rod Tang Jim Wangong. Um, what can you say? Rod Tang did great work across five rounds. It's it's absolutely how a contender should fight, drawing it out, not being stupid. Great control, great patience, knowing that to rush in against someone like Haggerty is suicide, so instead he opts for range management, uh, keeping uh, Haggerty where he wants him with front kicks before laying it on with hard hooks and elbows, but only when the chance arises. Really, really, really great performance from him. Um, John Haggerty, you know, well beaten, but we'll see. He's an exceptional talent, and I'm not saying it now because he's British. He is an exceptional talent, and... Um, I'm sure he'll be back soon. The news of the night was uh, Eddie Alvarez. Uh, he beat Edouard Folliang via, wait for it, submission. I fucking know, right? 216 of round one. This was in the one lightweight World Grand Prix semi-final. Submission from Alvarez. Yep, that happened. Um, and in round one, after Alvarez was being kind of outstruck, really, decent striking display by Folliang, Alvarez ends up in top position after it goes to the ground and does a great job, just does the basics well, sinks the hooks in, flattens him out, sinks in the choke, and that's all she wrote. And it really, it's a real testament to to Eddie's preparation because um, there's been some footage released recently of of uh, Alvarez in the gym working on his ground game and it's what you got to do. You've got to be the full package to be a champion. So Eddie Alvarez obviously coming back into the semifinal, uh, coming into the semifinal after losing... Uh, his first round comes in, shows he has a right to be there. Really great. Speaking of UFC vets, we had Demetrius Johnson. He beat Tashimitsu Wada, uh, a unanimous decision, uh, also in uh, in the flyweight World Grand Prix for one championship. Absolutely fantastic performance from him. A really great uh, a performance that you'd expect. He didn't have it all his own way uh, for large parts of that fight, but knuckled in. Did what needed to be done. Great striking again. Great range management. And uh, yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm going to run us through the rest of these results. There's not fights that I've seen, unfortunately. I'm sure Rob's going to bollock me and berate me and then get you guys up to speed next week. Uh, Danny Kingad, he beat Reese McLaren via split decision in the Flyweight Grand Prix semi-final. Uh, Rod, and now I've heard Rob say this before. Rodlek. Seishin Muay Thai Gym. I definitely fucked that up. He beat Andrew Miller by knockout in 49 seconds of round three. This was in the one Super Series Muay Thai in the bantamweight division. Kicking down to the prelims, we had Yuya Wakamatsu uh, beat Gage Asquau. Asquau. I'm so bad at this. Uh, via knockout, one minute 59 of round one. That was in the Flyweight World Grand Prix Reserves. 
Daesung Park beat Honaro Brunel um, in the by unanimous decision. Ooh, voice broke. By unanimous decision. Uh, this was MMA at lightweight. Uh, Daichi Takanaka uh, defeated Leandro Issa. TKO, 1 minute 39 of round 3. Bantamweight. Nakashima beat Okami. This was another unanimous decision. Um, really go go in and watch this. You make your money off it. I know it's free, but you should really check it out. Uh, unanimous decision at welterweight. <clears throat> Z-Bin beat Ed Kelly via technical decision at featherweight. Milao Litao beat uh, Pongsiri Mitsatit. Unanimous decision. At that. that was a catchweight fight at uh, 57 kilos. And then Ayakamuri beat uh, Samara Santos. Submission Americana. How often do you see that shit anymore? Uh, 39 seconds, round two at women's strawweight. Bong! That is basically all the MMA action uh, that went before. Obviously, it's a light show. Uh, what do we have to look forward to? Well, we have UFC Fight Night 156 in Montevideo in Uruguay. Uruguay? Uruguay? Mail-in. Uh, this is headed by Valentina Shevchenko going up against Liz Karamush. We have Vincenzo Luca versus Mike Perry. We have Vulcan Ozdemir versus Aliyah Latifi, finally. Uh, we have Tisha Torres on the prelims versus Rodriguez. There's some fucking good fights on this card. It's a good... Fight nights are getting real good right now. Fight nights, if you stick with them, are getting real good. As for Valentina Shevchenko versus Liz Carmouche... I'd like to say we could see a potential situation we did uh, with uh, Rose Namajuris, uh in her title defense, where she basically got out wrestled and, despite being the better striker, was just closed down and ended up getting slammed and ended up just being overpowered. I think Shevchenko is a better striker than Namajunas. I really do. Um, so. I see that going her way. I'm really interested by the Vincenzo Luca fight versus Mike Perry. Obviously, Mike Perry uh, lost that decision, uh, uh, lost via submission to Cowboy. I think it was his last time out. Luca is on a fucking tear in the welterweight division right now. I'm interested to see how that goes. I'd love to see Luca get the win. I really would, but Perry's no joke, and coming off a loss, he's gonna wanna gonna wanna say something about that. And Mike Perry hits like a fucking truck. And he's decent on the ground as well. Vulcan Ozdemir versus Aaliyah Latifi. Phew, who the fuck even knows about that one? I want to say Ozdemir. Just the variety of striking. But then if Aaliyah Latifi gets you to the ground, he's no joke either. He really isn't. I think if Vulcan Ozdemir can keep us on the feet, it's his fight all day. And even maybe then if it goes to the ground, I would say he's probably got the... Uh, Probably got the stones to back it up. And then, yeah, down we have Tisha Torres versus Mariana. Uh, Marina Rodriguez. Tisha Torres also coming off a loss. Nah, I don't know. There's a reason it's on the prelims, but uh, it should still be a good fight. I like watching Tisha, uh, Tisha Torres. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, let's play the fucking jingle. Okay, so truncated hot takes today. Uh, first one, Johnny Walker versus Corey Anderson is scheduled for UFC 244, which will be in New York City. I think this is a really <clears throat> decent fight for Corey Anderson. He's going to have to come correct because Johnny Walker is going to be throwing a lot of wild shit at him. Because Johnny Walker 
keeps fucking people up in crazy styles. So we'll see. I think if it goes out of the first, I think it's Corey Anderson because who the fuck knows with Johnny Walker. So we'll see, but it's a fight I'm interested in, and it's uh, another great one for that division. Uh, GSP has quashed rumours of a super fight with Khabib <clears throat> Nurmagomedov, saying he has a lot more important things to do. I don't doubt it. I really don't. Um, but we'll see. I mean, never say never with the UFC, right? But, uh, you know, who knows right now? Dylan Dennis has slated Colby Covington's performance against Robbie Lawler, saying his choke attempts reminded him of UFC 1. Um, I like Colby Covington more than I like Dylan Dennis, which is a hard thing to say. But, uh, yeah, Dylan Dennis needs to win more fights, and then he can talk like that, because um, being friends with Conor McGregor isn't an achievement. Uh, Dana White says he wants Jones Cormier at 3 at heavyweight. I think that would be a really great fight. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, whether we'll see it, whether Cormier is going to stick around long enough to see it, I don't know. There are rumours of him retiring after the Stipe fight. There are rumours of him sticking around for two or three more fights. You've got to think that John Jones might be one of them, potentially. We'll see. Uh, Bellator 230 is heading to Milan Saturday, October 12th, and will feature Melvin Manhoof versus, Manhoof versus Yannick Bahati. That's going to be a good fight. One of three Italian events they're doing. Ignore my chair. Um, one of three events that Bellator are doing in Italy in as many months. So, uh, yeah, keep your eye out for that. And finally, former UFC heavyweight champion Cain Velasquez impresses massive air quotes during his first fight in triple uh, in what's it AAA triple mania it's his wrestling he wore a, a lucha libre mask too so there's that check it out on youtube some funny shit if especially if you're a fan of glow the uh, the netflix show which is very good um and that's our hot takes i know we're skimming through it today so i mentioned at the top of the show we're going to be talking about colby covington and we have not one but two recommended reads this week. Um, one from inside and one from outside traditional MMA press worlds. So, basically, after his win against Robbie Lawler, Colby Covington shouted out the Trumps. Uh, Donald Jr. and Eric uh, Trump were in the crowd. Uh, Donald Trump tweeted about Colby Covington's fight Uh minutes after tweeting about the uh, mass shooting in America, which is something. And uh, Colby Covington shouted them out. Uh, they, they spoke, the president and Colby Covington spoke after the fight. Uh, Colby Covington said uh, he did it for the troops in the post-fight speech. He also joked about Matt Hughes's near-fatal train crash, which is interesting and awful in the same measure. He basically said, obviously, Matt Hughes and uh, Robbie Lawler were teammates at one point. I believe they still are. And uh, he said that uh, Robbie Lawler should have learnt from his friend Matt Hughes and gotten off the tracks when the train's coming, um, which is, you know, it's a good pun, had someone that almost died. Um, yeah, so the first one is uh, called On Offense and Offensiveness. Colby Covington is turning trash talk into something worse by Jordan Breen for Bloody Elbow. We'll link that. It's basically an argument that 
kind of like the president he supports. Colby Covington is the product and purveyor of a force he doesn't quite understand. In this case, it's his justification of mocking Matt Hughes' life-rate, life-changing tra- uh, train accident by saying that Matt Hughes has done some shitty things too. Now, this is true for anyone that doesn't really know about Hughes. He he had a he had a ghostwritten autobiography that he had a hand in called Made in America some years ago, and detailed himself and his brother beating his stepfather half to death at an early age. And make what you will of that. Colby Covington is playing with forces outside of his control by by justifying that. That is, you know, two rights don't make uh, sorry, excuse me, two wrongs don't make a right. You know, well, he said that, so I'm going to say this. Well, there's no fucking Rick to scale here. You know, like McGregor before him, Colvington is raising, <clears throat> excuse me, is raising a bar that should never have left the ground, but is currently soaring thanks to the, in part at least, to the call-out culture that the UFC is fostering right now. Um, the second long read we have for you is UFC's Colby Covington, The Athletic Embodiment of Trump's Politics by Karim Zidane for The Guardian UK. Now, Karim Zidane is someone you should check out anyway. He's done some really wonderful long reads, some of which we've shouted out on this show. It's a slightly longer read than the first, uh, but it expands and elaborates much of the subtext from the first recommended read. In short, it's like why... Why should we expect an outwardly political fighter like Covington? And there's, by the way, there's nothing wrong with being an outwardly political fighter. I went to Cage Warriors some months ago uh, during the time of the Yellow Jacket riots in uh, France. And there was a French fighter who came out in a high-vis vest with a balaclava on, making a point, making a statement. There's nothing wrong with that. But expecting Covington to be that kind of fighter and to act any differently when... Trump is his role model. Why would we expect that? Why would we expect that? So, uh, yeah, I would say check both those out. Um, And that is the end of the show. As I say, it's a slightly short one. Next week, we'll be all back to normal, talking about uh, Shevchenko versus Carmouche. I believe we have some PFL. I don't know. I haven't checked the schedule. But, uh, yeah, I have been Sam Bradley. This has been Them's Fighting Words. And we will both see you next Tuesday. Happy birthday, Rob.